great welcome, everybody. Today, it's my honor and big pleasure uh, to welcome you to a new episode of the Making It Real podcast, the podcast for founders who take action. Today, the special founder is Robert Vetska. Robert is the co-founder and CEO of Aclamio. Aclamio is a leading company in the word of mouth customer recommendation referral space. He can tell us the amazing services that uh, Aclamio does for its client. Um, Robert, so great to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jan. Thank, thanks for inviting me. Wonderful. Robert, tell us your personal journey into the entrepreneurship space. What did you do first? What did you study? What was your first steps into the entrepreneurship space? Well, I, I studied business engineering in, in Berlin and, and Italy. Um, yeah, and then I, I spent even more time at the university doing my, my PhD and it became very technical. I, I did my PhD in, in AI, big data analysis, uh, a lot of statistics. Um, yeah, and then basically I, I, will, I researched that, that go actually pretty well, but I always wanted to build things. Uh, which are actually used by real people. And yeah, so I, I consider myself more an engineer than a researcher. Um, and then, yeah, we founded uh, the company directly after after the PhD. So I, I basically, I never had a real job in my life. <laughs> From a researcher starting your own company is actually a, a bit unusual, especially let's say in the German space, because oftentimes then people, they somehow, they, they get stuck in the research world and so they're in between. Mm -hmm. Um, how did it come about? How did it come about that you felt, oh no, I can build a product? Um, do you have a specific idea in mind already? And you said, okay, we have the customers in hand. Um, yeah, actually, actually, we we had a specific idea. Like um, my PhD was around recommendation algorithms. Um, basically, these are algorithms which, if you have, let's say, on a website that tell you, oh, or you could also buy these books, or you should watch this film, or whatever. Um, so it was it was already about matching products to potential customers, um, and then actually we yeah we we went from AI to HI to human intelligence uh, by by really becoming a referral marketing company, um, and the reason for that is that these algorithms they had some limitations and they. For example, um, it was really hard to reach people which were not on your website. Where if you do referral marketing, word of mouth, obviously the people on your website or your existing customer base, they can bring their friends which are not currently uh, in your reach and things like this. And so we we had a look at the um, yeah at the state of the art in the industry, like how is actually referral marketing done in in, in Germany at that time, and it was very handmade, let's say like this. It was, you had to download PDF files um, and sign them, upload them or bring them to a branch. It was really complicated and the UI was really bad. Um, it, it was never really um, a nice experience. And at the same time, we, we read statistics um, that actually word of mouth was contributing like every second sale in general in the economy. Um, you could argue has to to a certain degree been influenced by someone else. You read a review, you talk to your friends, um, to your colleagues, to your family. Um, so you, it's it's really one of the core drivers of economy. Um, and it was a surprise that um, yeah the solutions we looked at were really that low in quality. And so we decided to go into that direction. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when people have these ideas about referral solution or that people should kind of post the things that they love and recommend it just like when they think of it as a platform idea, right? To get users on some platform, then somehow 
activate them, encourage them to recommend, and then somehow figure out you know, how most likely to affiliate marketing for people that know that, uh, to, to monetize that. Mm -hmm. You took a different route. You actually went to the customers and the companies to build services for them. How did this decision come about? And how did you take the first steps then to, to implement it, to code the product and all of that? Well, actually, we started, as, as, you, as you described it, we started B2C. We wanted also to build a platform where users come and they see all the products and, and they can share them with their friends. And we always thought it would just be fair if they bring friends to buy something, they should get the same money that companies normally pay to Google, Facebook, and so on. So um, that was the core idea in the beginning. But then, yeah, we, we looked at the solutions which actually companies were already using for referral marketing, and they were basically so bad that we thought, oh, there's a, a huge potential for us. Um, and we considered us very much tech-driven, like with my background, also my co-founder, Holger, he was in robotics before, so we are really um, tech founders. Um, and so the idea moving towards B2B more and more came, and also we had requests from client, can't you do that for us? Um, we don't have a refer friend program or, uh, or more like employee gets member or whatever. Um, and, and so there was a demand coming towards us. And then we decided basically to go into the B2B direction, which was a very good decision. So now our, our core uh, motivation is really to enable companies to, yeah, to engage with their existing customer base in order to grow, in order to get referred. Obviously, first step is really to have a really good product. Um, but once you have that still, um, you should have a really good referral program as well and to, to create the customer engagement um, and also to make sure that um, the people that refer you are actually getting something for, for that. Um, yeah, and so oh, the aim is, is a bit also to, um, to reallocate the budgets you would normally spend on Facebook, Google, and basically that's where most of the budgets go to <laughs> and stop, um, which these budgets you should invest them into your customer base give your customers incentives instead of going towards these big guys and because you will see it's a much higher return on investment um, than just increasing your your search uh, advertising budget or your, your social media budget mm -hmm. how did you get in touch with the first customers then because that's a classical problem especially in b2b right to to where you don't have reference customers and you want to close the first deal. You come from the university. So some people they are, oh, that's a, some study project. And so they don't maybe initially take it too seriously as you work on uh, you know, closing the first deal, making the first building out, showing that the product actually works. How did you solve that? Um, yeah, that was actually a real challenge. And we are not just doing B2B, we, we are doing enterprise B2B. So it's uh, the, really the big guys uh, you need to, to get to. You need to understand who is actually the person taking a decision. You need to get in contact. It's, it's even, even more complicated. Um, but, at, um, but we were talking also in the beginning, especially also to, to understand better the markets. We were talking to many people, um, also to, let's say, agencies in the, in the department, to affiliate networks and, and all these people that have a similar client base and they understand the needs and so on. Also to build the product, we needed um, all the input we could get. And actually from these relationships, um, they, they knew, okay, we were building a solution. And at the same time, they knew, oh, someone was looking for a solution. So they did, did the initial connect um, and it was a win-win situation because also the agency, since um, we generate volume in, in terms of incentives, also the agency gets a share. So it was a, a very positive um, way of starting it. But still, it took, obviously, in the beginning, it takes quite some time because the main um, 
part in sales is really trust. Like um, people have to decide to to commit to your solution, and and that that's, can be up to personal risk because you have decided to to buy that, and and then you you risk basically your job if it doesn't work. And um, it's not always to that degree, but it can be. Um, and so having trust, especially if you're a small company, is not that easy because you haven't shown it's working. Um, but having someone helping you on the side at, in the beginning when, before you have all the use, case, uh, use cases. And now we are working for many huge companies where we have already shown that it's working. Um, in the beginning, it's really helpful to have someone for uh, helping you get the first customers. Mm -hmm. Especially engineering uh, founders don't like the sales area too much, right? And then mm -hmm. when they hear now, oh, it's a great, could be a great idea to work with agencies that have their clients. So have the agency sell for them. Does it work like that? Or did you as well have to do the sales? It was more that they handed over the contact to you and then you were closing the sales. How do we have to imagine that? Um, yeah, like we were, like the founding team were actually three technical guys. Um, so sales was uh, always something someone had to do for us in the beginning. And then we were, we were really lucky that um, like one year, one, once we, we did the development and then we went live and around that time, um, Marcus, our CSO, joined. Um, so we had someone doing sales. And I, I personally, also um, one of my core topics in the beginning, especially was to support Marcus uh, in, in the sales process. It's, it's, it's really important because you, you need to understand the requirements on, on the other side. You need to be close to the clients. Like um, I'm not telling you anything new, but it's, it's really, especially for us, which we, we, we basically we had no clue about online marketing when we started the company. So which was this naivety was also an advantage because um, it really, we, we just thought it should be like this. Uh, why isn't anyone doing it? And, and we just went for it. And, and in this case, it was an advantage. Um, but yeah, you really need to stay close and understand really to, to yeah, what you should build. Um, we did also many things uh, wrong where we, where we developed like have, being a tech team, we obviously did wrong that we spent too much time on development and too little time on talking to potential clients. Um, but and, and that led to certain features, which in the end just were a waste of time. Um, but also that's that's the learning. Um, it's really important to to understand whom you're selling to. And it's not only about the product. It's really also about, especially since we do enterprise sales, it's really also about to understanding um, the sales market fit. Um, because you really need to understand who is buying it, who is, who is the... Um, yeah, who's having the budget, who's taking the decision, what does the decision maker need, what does a budget owner need, and, and so on. So it's, you really, product market fit is only the first step, but it's really um, fitting towards the entire sales funnel. I think you're such a wonderful example of coming from a researcher, very tech focused area. And I think especially in Europe, we have many research and many research institutions that think about, you know, they want to have a big impact, they want to make it real. Um, oftentimes then they, they develop this perfect solution. They stay a lot in the product area. And I think it's so refreshing that you highlight, no, it needs to be as well, the core engineering lead, the, uh, no, the core person. If you want to be the CEO of the company, you need to go out to, to understand the target customers. And so um, mm -hmm. oftentimes the other thinking is, well, we are not there yet. The product is not finished yet. Any, any um, advice? when to start to contact the target customers? 
Well, sometimes you should even contact them before even developing anything, any any new feature, um, just to understand whether there is a demand um, for that feature or for that new additional product line. Um, I think you should definitely talk to at least ten potential clients before starting to invest. Um, yeah, into uh, yeah into a new really take a serious investment there. So um, I. In this regard, it's 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 really important to be close to the clients. Um, yeah. Uh huh. Many people then say, "Well, why would they take me seriously? I don't know anybody there in that field specifically. What's the best mm. way to reach out to people when you have nothing to show for yet?" Um, when you have, well, you you basically you have something to show, which is the the idea you you would you would basically propose like a solution. Um, and then from that you would start um, communication. And and also I, I really don't believe in at least in enterprise. I, I don't think that an MVP approach is really solving your problem because um, you really have to make sure that the person buying into you is not losing his or her face. Um, it really needs to work at least at a, at a certain level. It doesn't have to be perfect, um, but everyone should be aware. It's really commitment by the company um, buying into your product. Um, and only having an MVP, which is basically like or a test version running, it's not good enough. You really, once you're live, it needs to work. Um, that's a bit different than for some B2C products or, or whatever. Um, in this case, in this regard, um, I, I think, yeah, an MVP may not be the right point. It needs really to go a bit beyond that, but not too much. Like it doesn't have to be feature complete or anything, but what you sell needs to work well. Um, mm -hmm. So like early on with some slide deck discussing the vision and so on, and then involving them as you build the product, almost like a co-development, no? where they provide you regularly input and say to check versions if you're on track. Especially in the beginning, like, and, and then the real challenge afterwards is really to, to not become an agency and just uh, for every new client sit together and redefine the product. It's really to find the core product, which works for everyone with customizations, with features you can turn on and off and, and, and so on. But it's really important, at least if you want to become a tech company, um, not to do one version uh, per client. And, and that's a challenge because you have to say no sometimes, um, but that's as important as saying yes. Uh, in, in the beginning, in the first year, you will say probably yes all the time because you have no choice. But after that, you should learn or you should pivot a bit mentally and, and learn to say no as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, how do you determine this feature set that is kind of the one that works for everybody? How, how many customers would you think do you need to determine kind of that common base that everybody needs that you don't? Because many founders, no, they fall exactly into that trap that they develop very custom tailor-made solution, customized solution, and they do that over and over again, but they never get to really a scalable product. So how can they figure that out, especially you know, people that focus on tech on product? Um, yeah, first you have to be clear what's your core value proposition. For us, it's growth. Like we help companies to grow um, and by engaging with their existing customer base. It's growth, growth, growth. Um, and then you have to see, okay, what are the pain points? How, how do I get there? It doesn't start with the product. It starts with the sales process. Which contracts do I need? Which people need to be in the sales process? Is a legal topic? Is, uh, is GDPR a topic? And so on. It, it starts there. And um, and. And then it continues basically. Um, and then you have to decide, okay, what's, what are the core pain points? Is it, um, 
yeah, you have to, for us, for example, we need an infrastructure, we need to integrate into certain points with partner, and that should be the same for all partners. How can we find a solution which is um, the same? And for us, it was a really important decision also to decide, okay, we start in certain industries only because they are similar and they require a certain product. Um, they have tech requirements which are similar and the sales approach is similar. So also they're focusing on, on a certain vertical or certain verticals, certain countries in the beginning, so you don't have to translate immediately. And it's really, really important. And um, then you, you try to find the, the yes, smallest subset of, of um, what's solving the problem, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so there are always requirements like we have to do certain things otherwise the product doesn't work like we have to be able to to fulfill incentives to to pay users if it's cash that's obviously something we need to do we need to be um, GDPR compliant and, and things like this otherwise we don't have a product but then you have to understand um, for the for the client what's make what's making the decision much easier for us it was and um, there shouldn't be any dev effort involved it should really be we do everything and then the partner basically yeah gets has has a product and just uses it um, and so on and that's something you have to think based on on who is your customer and and what limitations they have what are their pain points mm -hmm. if people feel like i'm my strength is engineering is building products but i want to be in charge i want to be the ceo so no we learned it's still important to go out there to interact with the target customers uh, given their clumsy situation you brought in a salesperson uh, rather early than as well i th think it was not in the first year maybe for people how do you find this strong salesperson that fits in the startup context and how do you split the work between the role that you, as the product lead, as the CEO as well, uh, uh, take in the sales process and a specialized salesperson that, that is experienced? Well, it's it's a lot about, especially in the beginning, it's not only salesperson, but it's a lot about networking. Um, like actually um, our, our CSO came from our business angel network. Um, so it's, it's especially since we came from the university and so on, we were not that well connected from the start and, and we were not known to anyone. So it's really how, yeah, and, and the network really helps. So I, I can, um, that's one of the most important things actually in the beginning. Um, and how do we distinguish um, roles? Like in the beginning, I think as a CEO, you have to do sales um, together with, with someone, um, yeah, maybe, Maybe someone leading, but you have to be in the in the core sales parts and with the core clients, you have to be in there. And um, and the more over time, then you have to reflect as a CEO. I, I think what is it you you are really good at, and also what is it you want to do. Um, you have the luxury of of being able most of the times to hire for let's say you don't want to do finance, you hire someone to do finance. Um, you don't want to HR, you hire someone for HR. Um, you should do that anyway. Um, and and so for me, I think it's actually very beneficial to have an engineering CEO if, as a tech company, because I think my role is is also about uh, a lot of of creating an an environment where you can innovate, where it's about innovation, um, and and having an engineering background helps a lot there, um, especially since we are a tech company. And the understanding is, is really important of, of the processes. Um, yeah, also, also the willingness to learn um, on, on the, yeah, from the technical side and, and mapping it to, to the sales side um, and, and then finding um, the best overall solution for the company. Um, yeah, that's 
really interesting stuff. So, so I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Oh, fantastic. And we can see that now very quickly if we see now the trajectory. No, you, you now after your, your some years in are the market leader in the referral marketing solution with huge clients or so. But we see, you know, we can imagine now you got the idea being at the research institute saying, hey, there is an opportunity, the solution that are out there in the market are definitely underdeveloped, right? So being an engineer, being product focused, you, you start building the product through the network as well. Then you get a salesperson in the agency as well, help to close the first sale. So we see you running the first um, um, services, the first uh, uh, word of mouth campaigns, incentivized referral campaigns. How do you move from this stage of getting started with the first, what were like the first, the core lessons learned in now I think you're over 80 people, um, no one um, uh, operating internationally. What were like the, in, in very brief terms, the core lessons learned in the process from taking this from these first sales to building this now really uh, impactful, fast growing company? Um, in the beginning, it was really like like we already talked about. It was really about um, the first product was basically something which fit the first customer, and it was also not nothing that could scale or anything. It was really um, it it wasn't bad at all. It was working, but it was for the first company, really for one client. And then in the beginning, it was really about um, yeah getting into making it scalable and and having different clients and and. Then something we did actually wrong, in my opinion, is um, that after that, we basically sold to everyone who wanted to pay us. So um, we, someone someone coming and, and very different industries like retail, uh, we had airlines that wanted to promote certain certain uh, flight plans and stuff like this. And, and we had uh, telecommunication providers and so on. So it was a very different uh, set of requirements, of mentality, of, of budget allocation, sales cycle was different. And, and that was actually seen from my perspective right now was, was wrong. We should have much more focus on certain verticals first and, and make the product working in these verticals as we do it now. We, we really have a really strong focus and then go into other verticals. Um, so that's something I would really uh, recommend and really to think, um, yeah, what is your vertical? Um, where does it work best? Uh, where can, because you also learn faster. If you, if you learn everywhere a bit, it's really hard to get it on the same learning curve. Um, if you are really focused, um, it's much faster to learn. Um, and I'm not saying on, it, it's not just learning, but the data creation itself. Um, you, if you are a data-driven company and you, you get lost on too many tracks, um, the data won't, like I have a data background, the data won't tell you much because, uh, but if you focus, um, yeah, you can build aggregates and you can uh, see really how is your sales funnel, after how many months can I close a client, um, and yeah, it gives you a much better picture. And you have to focus, we, are, we have been bootstrapped, so uh, focus was obviously uh, core. And um, yeah, then it, it was also for us a, a milestone really to go to other countries. Um, and, and also we did, we did errors there in, in, in hiring um, or, or not, not being committed enough, maybe um, having a too small team in the beginning, like just trying, but then you basically waste a year because it's enterprise sales and finding out whether it's working or not. Um, and so also there we did a lot of learnings. And but right now it's it's going also we, we did the learnings and it's going really well. Um, like we are now earning more more money in in the UK than in Germany, for example, which is 
um, a really good thing for a martech company because the uk being one of the most major markets worldwide um it's a really good sign and we're pretty proud of that to be honest um mm -hmm. and, so focusing um, maybe on that part because it's a, a, a core area for many as well especially people that want to have a big impact and want to think like international or even global as such mm -hmm. Uh, and you said that we you know you made some mistakes in internationalizing and so maybe not having the enough focus or critical mass per country. Uh, any any advice for people? A core question now typically is: Should we actually have a separate team in that target country? Uh, let's say that we want to go to, or should we mm -hmm. first start from our home office with international people? Uh, and how would you? Which advice would you give founders in that regard? Um, also in this regard, it's a lot about the focus once again. It's really, if you say, okay, I want to internationalize, it depends really on, on what business you do. Like sometimes it, it, it's different for us. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense to say, okay, I want to focus first on this country um, and really learn fast how it's going there. Or I want to focus on certain types of customers, let's say only one industry or only the top five in every market or, or things, but really focus and learn fast. Um, and don't get too much uh, done in parallel. And then, yeah, by country, that basically means if you if you start a country, um, also for data generation purpose, for really for learning, uh, you should really be committed to a certain degree. It's it's not doing it a bit doesn't work in our industry. It's uh, because you really need to to understand um, is the sales pitch working in that country? Is the funnel working? You need data to find that out. You can try a bit. Like I also do that. Um, um, I'm in the first calls if. Uh, if it makes sense, especially um, in new countries and, and to understand is there a difference in mentality in the pitch, uh, are there different requirements? I, I also do that. Um, but apart from that, then it's really about um, focusing on certain markets and um, yeah, trying to, to learn as fast as possible. Um, that's our perspective as a bootstrap company. If you have millions at your disposal, probably it makes much more sense uh, to parallelize things, but then you also need people that have the attention um, that basically have the focus for you um, on these uh, parallel markets. Mm -hmm. A common question there as well is if you then have your focal market, let's say you are starting in Germany, then you want to go international next, mm -hmm. maybe to a big market like the UK. What's the critical mass kind of when you said focus is important and to go in as well as a founder to be committed, not to do the first years to understand the uh, the sales process then. So mm -hmm. a core question typically is, should we start with one? Uh, sales uh, representatives or country manager first or is the minimum rather like two to have this uh, small little team going on any any experience any lessons learned there well especially in sales i would highly uh, discourage everyone from only having one person per country it's really about it's not not only about creating competition and and um but it's also about learning faster because if you hire someone b2b enterprise sales it's six to 12 month sales cycle if if you hire the wrong person you will know after you have lost basically half a year um, maybe you can find it out earlier on but um, it will take time so having more people in parallel um yeah you learn faster and you find out which approach is working which not maybe you hire even complementary and so on um, so I would highly encourage to wait until you have that chance. Or if you if you want to go there, um, I also did from Germany and, and our, our CSO um, is also reaching out to, to companies in markets where we are not really on the ground yet. Um, we are doing that, but only for the top customers just to learn um, do, is there a need and, and so on. So then I would still say, um, do it without a team. Um, 
as, as a dish or, or say, okay, you have a UK team, you want to go to the US, um, let your UK team do the first uh, calls with US customers um, in order to understand whether there is real demand or there is a different requirements for a different pitch or different product um, and understand that first because you really invest, uh, before you really invest into, into going to the US, for example. Um, but that would be my, my core advice um, to, to, yeah. And it's also about for the sales guys, it's also about having a team a bit, someone to, to spare the ideas with. Um, if you're there all alone, um, yeah, it's, it's, it depends a bit on the character, but in general, I would say that's not beneficial. It's really, um, you want to be, you want to share when you did a deal with as many people as possible and you want to battle each other. Oh, I have an interview with this guy and I have an interview with this guy and so on. So it's, it's, uh, it's really important, especially um, in, in the sales department um, to, yeah, to have teams um, and to share your experiences. Uh, one uh, frequent thing there as well as uh, country manager or sales uh, person in the first sales person in the countries uh, comes back and says, you know, this market is very different here. Everything works very different. Uh, yeah, yeah, we so cannot really do that. We have all this product needs and so, and, and you as a founder, you're scared. You don't know on one yeah, side, exactly. then you know your, your uh, product pipeline is full. What do you do with in that situation? No, that's exactly the reason you should hire more than one sales guy. That's exactly the point um, because that could happen. And then it's, if it happens to, let's say you hire three sales guys and no one brings any contract, <laughs> you should really start thinking with one sales guy, you always have, obviously you always uh, think, is it really my product, is it the sales guy? Um, so it's, that's what I mean with data generation. You need to get data points as fast as possible where you can take a decision from. And uh, with one sales guy, it may not be enough. Maybe the sales guy is just not the right personality, maybe being too old, too young, whatever. We're not, not technical enough, uh, too technical. Uh, Wrong whatever. accent uh, as well at times. We have that internationally as well. Okay. Yeah, also, also um, maybe maybe you need really a, a native speaker in, in certain markets in Europe. It's unfortunately still the case that if you come with English only, you don't uh, get many things sold. Um, yeah, also this is really important. And it's also not only um, how a salesperson behaves towards clients, it's also internally, get, does he get things done if he needs whatever, a presentation or, or pitch or product uh, change or whatever, how does he get that done internally? Um, there is a team helping him, but in, in general, it's also towards the company, like how good are they in, in managing um, these requirements um, if they need them. Mm -hmm. Robert, you have run uh, a lot of uh, referral companies, incentivized referral companies for many, many uh, big clients in international markets for people that looking into that. We learned from the book From Zero to Rum by B uh, Peter Thiel that incentivized referrals for PayPal, for example, were one of the most important growth channels. Um, mm -hmm. Now, we know you've seen that you've done the uh, two-sided incentivize, you have single-sided incentivize, so where only maybe the recommender gets an incentive. You even had it where the um, commission was donated to foundations, so where people could you know, uh, get the monetary value that was generated through recommendation was donated. Uh, what would you say as the CEO of you know, the market leader and the referral solutions are core lessons learned for founders that want to consider referral and uh, incentivized referral solutions? Well, my first, my, my first comment would really be to consider it something which is a core marketing channel, 
but something really stable. So once you have a solution, you should expect that solution if you are good, um, depending a bit on the industry, on the product. But if it doesn't bring you five to 10% uplift on your monthly contracts, then probably something is wrong. Then probably you should call us or, 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 or investigate. Um, and it's not a campaign tool, referral marketing. You should really, you can, of, of course you can do campaigns, but only once you have a robust fit um, a setting where all your customers can actually engage. If they want to make word of mouth for you, they should know how to do it and, and so on. And so you should have a stable setup. And then, yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of parameters you can optimize. You, you can, uh, it, it's starting with the, how do you incentivize it? Um, what's, what's a fair incentive? What's maybe even a very interesting incentive? Um, who gets what, as you mentioned, um, is the referrer getting everything? Is the follower, we call the person, following the referral follower or the recommendee um, is, is um, yeah, the friend getting everything. Um, or is it somewhere in between? Uh, we always recommend to start with a split in the beginning because we think it's fair, you, you get something for referring, but you should also bring something to your friend. We, we also allow to make that a choice for the referrer and it's pretty interesting to see who keeps the money. And what happens if, it. if it's a choice for the follower, no, let's say, the one that gets it, it, the recommendation. It, it once again depends on the incentive and it depends a bit on the country, I have to say as well. Um, Interesting, okay. About 60, <laughs> 70% of, of the people would keep the money. And then it would go, let's say 2020 to, I, I want to split it and I want to gift it to the friend. I want to go 100% go to the, to the friend. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a very... Uh, sociological uh, research uh, topic. Uh -huh. um, yeah. I hear as well, so it seems like the, the size of the incentive is one of the core drivers, how successful referral marketing campaigns are. So if you can pay out mm -hmm. higher incentives, that should work better. What's, what's like the other core two, three thing uh, issues to watch out for if you want to have a successful referral campaign? Um, or Program. Yeah, the, the amount the amount of incentive is is a core driver to a certain point. If it's like beyond a certain point, it can also it doesn't increase that much anymore. So also there, um, we allow our partners to test it basically. Like what is the best incentives, and after what what point uh, doesn't it improve um, anything at all? And and what else you have to? It's it's a lot about how how. Um, yeah, how, how you actually integrate referral marketing into the entire customer life cycle. Like at what point in the journey should um, you ask for a referral? Um, there are actually quite, it's, a, it's actually a quite complex thing because the customer life cycle for, for huge companies can be pretty challenging. And, and then you have to measure um, where do they refer uh, what do they refer at a certain stage? And um, obviously, um, it's always a good thing to ask for a referral once someone had a very good experience with your, can we even customer support? Uh, they had a problem, but it got fixed fast and then ask for a referral. It uh, can be also directly after they purchase because they're really proud. Oh, I purchased a new product. Um, now I want to refer. And that's something you need to find out. Um, that's, that's one of the other core challenges. And then it's also about uh, a bit for, for many of the, the companies we work with, it's, it's about getting it omnichannel. Um, they they really struggle if they if they say, okay, I, I want to refer a program online, okay, but I normally um, they they operate omnichannel, having their shops, having their call centers, and so on. And um, that's also one of the ch 
challenges you have to solve, like how can I roll out these programs omnichannel? How can I really reach every every customer? Um, and then also, but that's more a client challenge. It's really about getting rid of their silos of of like. Um, very often the CRM team is about retention, keeping the customers, and then the sales team is about getting new customers. But referral marketing is in between. You want your existing customers to bring new customers. So they have to talk, they have to be aligned on KPIs and so on. So it's also an organizational topic for these um, large, large corporates we, we are working with. Um, and there are still many corporates that haven't solved that. Um, that still think in these dimensions, but we think that's something that will need to be solved anyway, not only for us, but for to survive in a, in a getting in a digital world, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I can see this uh, topic as well increasing in importance as now you know, we have really this strong dependence on the Facebook, Instagram network, the Googles of this world. So. Uh, people out there in business, they really look for alternative channels to acquire customers, to use their customer base. And so for Aklami, what's next for, for the company? What, what are your next steps? Um, yeah, we are now about, about 100 um, people. We, have, uh, we are leading in referral marketing in, in Europe. For us, one, one next step is uh, we want to, depending a bit on the current situation, uh, but we want to get uh, feet on the ground as, as soon as possible in, in the US. Um, we also, um, we, we are not doing only like we are going towards a multi-product strategy because referral marketing, if we think about it, it's only one part of, of the, um, customer lifecycle. Actually, it's always in all the models. It's the last part, you you have the customer journey and then in the end you ask for a referral, but, um, the companies we work with, um, it's, they, it's, it's about connecting to customers in general and, and referral being only one product. It's about getting, um, instead of using your budgets on Facebook and Google and really using the same budgets for getting better, better promotions, better, uh, better offers towards your users. Uh, so we also provide, for example, cashback as a service where you can say, okay, everyone who joins me this month gets, gets a certain amount of cashback, or we provide other, other options like, uh, bundling with uh, one year of um, yeah of of a voucher for for some service for some content service uh, or or just stay with us and every month we plant five trees um, whatever you want to do as a as a company but um, we really think there is a, a huge demand for this type of direct to customer marketing um, solutions. Um, because there's always right now a third party involved. There's always um, these big uh, advertising companies, Google, Facebook, but also others um, involved in these relationships. Um, we think brands should directly uh, get the engagement from their customers. Mm -hmm. So super exciting as well to see what you can do with your customer base, there's different ways to interact, to upsell, to bundle as well. So uh, and interesting to see the journey there. Uh, mm -hmm. Final question for you personally, having created this company, having it brought from zero employees to now 100, going international, being a, a tech founder with this uh, very strong PhD in artificial intelligence, machine learning approach, what would you say as a core tips, core advice for people out there listening to this that thinking about making it real? Um. Well, I, I, would, I would say just in the beginning, especially just try it. Um, get get up and and try it if there is no normally the investment is really it's, it's mainly time you invest and and you 
and the time is pretty well invested because you will learn a lot of things. Um, you will work hard, otherwise you won't succeed. Um, but you will never learn as much um, as when you found a new company and you have to think about how I do I what is the product, what's the what's the client actually starting actually from the client, what's the product and so on. So it's it's really one of the most challenging things you can do. Um, especially and and also I think if you're an engineer or something, you can always find a job right now. As the the risk of of yeah, try it for one year and then go back into into a normal job if you found that it's it's not what you want to do. And um, because also mentality wise, obviously for some people it's it's not the right thing. Uh, because you as a founder, you have to be always beyond what you're comfortable with. You always have to be, and that's a certain mindset. Um, so actually, you're never really um, you're always stretched uh, because it's it's never really. Um, what you're already good at because you always want to do the next thing. So you, it's, it's a certain mindset um, which you need to have, I think. Um, also, also leadership obviously re requires certain skills. Um, also, also, also that you want to, to lead 100 people. Also, that's a question you have to ask yourself. Um, and you can still decide, like you can found a company and you can say, okay, I, I really like the early stage phase. And then, yeah. I, I will I will fade out after a while. I mean, there are examples also for that, and I will try to find an excellent CEO for for the growth stage. Um, there are a lot of opportunities, um, but you shouldn't regret in the end that you didn't found a company. I think, and there are so many like also with all the things going on with the pandemic, with the environmental topic. Um, there are so many opportunities right now. If you don't find a topic which is interesting, that's really weird. Um, because the world is really about to change um, for, for various reasons. Like there's so much disruption to be, uh, disruption to be expected. Um, and that's only the, the obvious things also, also in FinTech, in, in basically in every area. And there are so many topics uh, which are still in the beginning. Like um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful moment for creating a company, not, not for other things, but for creating a company, I think it's a perfect time. Wonderful. Robert, thanks so much for sharing all these wonderful insights, this inspiration. All the best for you personally and for our club you going forward. Thanks for having me.